everyone, welcome back to the Nothing Fancy Podcast. My name is Oscar, and this week we've got another fantastic guest for season two. Uh, he's a playwright from New York City with works like Austin and Ulpheist. He, along with a team of theater creatives, founded Black Pedal Theater, a company dedicated to telling more diverse stories on the stage. Uh, most recently in May, he did a Zoom reading of his play called The Beach. Uh, I'm so glad to have Clovis Cabongo on the podcast today. Uh, our conversation was a great one with great insight as to why creatives do the things that they love. I hope you enjoy the chat and I'll talk to you guys on the other side. There it is. What a sound. I love that sound. Hello? Hey, buddy. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. Um, so how are you, man? How have you been holding up since the last time we talked, actually? Uh, since the last time we spoke, I've been good. I've been um, really good. You know, it's, it's funny because I think the last time we spoke, you mentioned stuff about where I get from my inspiration film, and I was like, dreams, and like lately, they've been, they've been even crazier than before. Like, I'm running <laughs> on like four hours of sleep right now because I've been up since 4 a.m. So. Wow. So yeah. uh, what, are you, what are you working on right now? Currently, what I'm working on, and I think I mentioned this briefly last time, was um, I'm working on a play uh, regarding race, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to divulge anymore. However, people who have seen some of my shows before are familiar with some of my work, they can expect it to be a combination of both. It is... Um, so for right now, I'll just say it's a suspense thriller play about race. Okay. All right. You're leaving us all in suspense. <laughs> I'm leaving you guys all in suspense. That's how I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have an, an idea of when you want to finish it uh, or when you want to have it ready? Obviously, we're in pandemic times. There's no getting a theater to book any shows right now. Um, right. So, um, so like, ooh. When do I want to finish it? Um, if you want to, I or if, like if you even think you're going to finish it anytime soon, or um, I don't. Right now, I don't have a goal because I've also been trying to edit a lot of my previous work, mm-hmm. uh, such as The Beach, and um, a show that I did um, in 2018 called Murder, Murder on um, Blank Street. Um, so I've been like dabbing and and you know tangling with all three. So I'm trying to close all those past doors before I open any new ones. So I did start writing this new play. However, I want to finish, finally finish, once and for all, The Beach and, and, and Murder before finally 100% committing to um, this new play that I'm working on. But I have some pages and I have some pages. So for the listener, we're going to keep referencing to a previous conversation because uh, Oscar, me, messed up and didn't uh, do it right the first time. Uh, so if you hear us talk about uh, uh, the last time we spoke, um, it's because I messed okay. up. <laughs> That's just for the listener to know um, that uh, I'm a human and I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> he is a human, people. <laughs> um, so you said you're working on the beach. Uh, I know you did a Zoom. We talked about this last time as well. Uh, you did a Zoom reading uh, of the beach. Uh, how was it directing that? Um, I know you're gonna you're gonna have uh, actors uh, jump in onto a Zoom call, um, but how do you go about rehearsals with that? What's that experience like? 
So um, the rehearsal process I enjoyed. Um, I really wanted to do it because I found myself like a lot of other artists. We were kind of like in a in a funk. We couldn't go out and perform. We couldn't entertain, and you know that's sort of what we live for. And when that's taken away from you, um, some of us that's all we have. So I wanted to do something to, I guess, give back to the people who come to see our shows, and for all the actors who are just you know that I've worked with who are sitting around not really doing much and are kind of also at this funk. So I didn't really have an audition process. I just got a bunch of people that I worked with before and that I've enjoyed working with. And um, this is a play, the beast of the play I've been working on since 2016. And it's been going through constant edits because it's so, um, it's heavy with a lot of story and content that I wanted to make sure that everything, you know, there was, the continuity was correct and there were no loopholes because that drives me absolutely insane. <laughs> um, so I was just ready to present Act One. The rehearsal process of it was great. I liked rehearsing. Um, it was a little hard at times and different. It was just getting acclimated to the new the new normal. This is how mm. we're doing things, at least for now. Um, and, you know, you have people's Wi-Fi who's janky. The lighting is bad for right. some other people. Um, lines where you're supposed to come in immediately. It, you know, it, it, it's not as quick. It's not as, you know, responsive. So the rehearsals are great. However, when we actually did the show and, you know, all the actors did an incredible, amazing job, I felt a twinge of melancholy only mm-hmm. because, only because I'm so used to, I'm so used to them being, you know, live and in person. Mm-hmm. And there's only so much you can do behind screen, you know, of a, of a, of a computer or your phone. Um, and right, we were talking about I last hated, time, the feeling that, right. uh, that you get from just being in person to a, a a play or a musical or whatever the performance is in front of you, there's a different feeling that you get uh, from it when you're in person than when you're watching it on a Zoom call or even like on the yeah. a bootleg version of Hamilton is not going to be the same version as, as if going to see it live. <laughs> You know, and we don't have Disney Plus money, so we can't do what they did. <laughs> you know, so, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was, it was, it, it sucked that that's how we had to do it. Um, because as you know, the script is only one part of it, mm-hmm. but the actors are the vehicle in which you know the story comes alive, and them being on stage with um, the lighting designer designing an, an amazing show with the costume department having great costumes with makeup and everything. And there's also a connection that happens between the audience and the actors on stage that I feel was, that I feel is kind of lost when you do Mm. it through Zoom. So that's what I miss the most. And hopefully we get back to that, you know, soon. That connection and collaboration is is missing, you know, because theater theater isn't just one person can, can make it happen. Uh, there's, it's always a team uh, that comes together, uh, and then the connection between the actors and 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 production team that that happens yeah. over time. It's it, a group. It's a, it's very much a group thing. Um, and the com, the camaraderie, the crew, wow, but English. <laughs> it's early. The camaraderie of it all was it was it was missing. Um, so t- keeping the theme with uh, having a group uh, that you're always working with, you have your theater group, uh, Black Pedal Theater. Uh, that you yeah. are always working with. Uh, yeah. If you don't mind going through again mm-hmm. how Black Theater 
uh, came to be uh, as a team that collaborates together all the time and how you guys came to, to form Black Pedal Theater. Absolutely. I'll try to be, I'll try to stay on track this time because I know I go oh, off on No, tangent. it's fine. Go off on any tangent you need to, man. <laughs> but um, Black Pedal Theater started in 2016. And the way it started was um, we just done a show, 7 o'clock, which is my first play. It was a show that I'd, I'd written in about two weeks. I had no prior experience, no prior knowledge of theater. I did want to be a writer. At that point, um, I was very, I was still very young. I mean, I'm still young now, but I was 22 compared to, you know, being 26 now. Um, <laughs> a lot and, can change uh, I, I, I believe a lot, a lot has changed. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I was kind of in a low point. I was like, no, what do I, is this what I really want to do? I'm not really... Um, where I want to be right now. And I, what I did a lot of, which I noticed that more pe- a lot more people around me do. And now I'm in a place where I can tell them you're not supposed to kind of do that and steer them away from that. Is I compared my, where I was and my success to someone else's. Um, and I think all of us have that. Um, even if we say we don't, there's that little voice in the back of our head saying that, oh, this person is here. I can be there too, you know? And the person I, I was doing that to was Stephen King because he's my favorite, you know, he's my favorite um, author. Right, and like I, horror and suspense is one of those things that uh, you're yeah. attracted to, right? And I'm like, well, at 27, he accomplished this. And I'm and here I am at 22 saying, well, I, I'm, I haven't done anything yet. Mm-hmm. So I was in a very low point. I didn't know if writing was something I wanted to continue doing. And then my best friend, who's also a founder of Black Pedal, she sends me, and an alumni of QC, she sends me this link about a theater festival happening. And I'm like, I've never written a play before, but you know what? At this point, you know, what What, what do I have to lose? Mm-hmm. So um, I wrote a play in two weeks, submitted it, it got accepted, and I was like, great, they're going to produce it, I'm going to show up, it's going to be awesome. They're like, <laughs> no, 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 no. No. No, you tried it. <laughs> um, so they, so they're like, you have to kind of get the cast crew. You need to put it together yourself. And again, I'd never been, I was never familiar with theater. So I got another, another one of our black metal founders, um, who was familiar with theater. And he introduced me to an actor that he's worked with. We had auditions. And then a few months later, we had a show, you know, and, we noticed that we worked so well together. Um, and he proposed starting a theater uh, group to do more shows. And I didn't know if I was going to do something like this again. And I was a bit wary and hesitant mm. because I'd had bad experiences working with other people. And as a writer, I'm used to working alone. Right, so, yeah, it's a very solitary uh, thing to do. Possibly. Yeah, like yeah. in my room, curtains closed in the absolute <laughs> dark. I'm used to you know working alone. So when I was presented with you know this new alternative of working with other people, because like we we spoke about, it's not just one person in theater; it's uh, a group of people making this world, this story, come alive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way you can possibly do it alone, um, and. 
I thought, no, oh, I don't know if I want to do this because I've had bad experiences. But I said, you know what? Why not? I'll learn more. And I dived headfirst into the crashing waves with <laughs> pointed rocks. Well, then and had... I didn't get hurt. <laughs> well, I got a little scraped up at first. You got but it. You got it. Growing, growing pains. But I mean, you... right. I think you had the security of also knowing that this team already had put on a show uh, yeah. and a good and I, show that you that. were proud of. So if it would have been, we were, yeah. so if it would have been a, a bad experience in the first place, I don't think you would have done it uh, or the team wouldn't have I stuck together. I definitely would not have. Right. So but I think was, having, having that added safety definitely uh, pushed you to, to, to say yeah. yes. To it. Definitely. And, you know, we enjoy working together at seven o'clock. People loved it. And, 2017 came and we did our next show, full length show, which is Austin, which people loved as well. So, and then we um, got nominated for you know the best play award, and I was like, we have a play here, we have, we're doing, we're on the right track, and it just kept going from there. And speaking about Austin, we talked about last time how it, it's a constantly and ch- uh, changing show for you uh, when you first did it. Uh, you, it was one version, and now it's it's completely uh, become uh, a different version. Can we talk about that? Uh, yeah, Austin. Um, I don't want to toot my own horn, but that play to, to this day, <laughs> it still shocks and amazes me on how much it resonates with people. And mm-hmm. that, like, listen, I, I from the time it went on in twenty seventeen, and from the workshops that it's gone through, like there was a point where I was voices were talking to me in my head during the editing process just because I wanted to make sure <laughs> I got every little thing right. I'd be in the shower and I'd hear somebody yelling at me in my voice. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Do I need to be committed right now? But um, <laughs> it, it, it all paid off and the difference between the, the show that we did in 2019 and the show that we did in 2017, no shade to any of the original actors that no, were in the not. 2017 version. However, this when I when I first wanted to do it, it, it was important that the entire family be black. This is a black family from right. the south. Um, right. However, you had challenges time, casting it the first time. We had challenges casting it. There was a shortage of black actors that came out, so we kind of mixed it up. There were a few black actors, and there were a few Hispanic actors, mm-hmm. and um, that's how we did the show. In 2017, I wasn't in the best test space. However, something about me is that I am very, I am very resilient. No matter what the circumstances is, I keep pushing on and give the best that I can. And that's ultimately what it was. I, my heart wasn't 100% in the show. I had a lot going on. Uh, I think 2017 was just a rough year overall for a lot of people mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, and <laughs> I just, wonder <laughs> for some reason, I, I did the best that I could. And it got to a point when, you know, months passed, the show finished. I wasn't happy with the product, but I get an email saying that we've been nominated out of 88 plays for the best play. And I'm just like, I saw the email. I'm like, Really? And I know that's horrible to think, but that's what I thought. I didn't think that we deserved it. I think that it could have gone to one of the other 88. Right. And, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to show up and I'm going to be thankful for this. And that's ultimately what I did. I said that I was going to do the show again one day. Um, so I, I put it on the back burner for a while. 
And then 2019 came and it was time for our annual summer show. I was like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I have to do Austin again. I've just, I've never been able to let it go. And I feel like I did it such an, a disservice that I, I need to, it up again i was like kind of obsessed with doing it again so right because you also had shortened like, it from from what it's originally had because you had to fit the festival timeline or the time slot. that's right when i first did it in 2017 there was stuff that i had to take out hmm. and it, like when the some audience members came they're like was that scene like what happened to the like they were confused i'm like well there's a scene that happens they're like why why, why wasn't in there in there i'm like well, because you have to meet with time constraints, and that's another reason why Black Pedal has got doing festivals. Mm-hmm. Because yes, most stories can be told in ninety minutes, but there are some stories that simply can't be told in ninety minutes or fifty minutes or eighty minutes. They need to be ninety-seven minutes, ninety-eight minutes, you know, one hundred and fifty minutes. Um, so Austin just happened to be one of those stories, and I know a thing. Uh, <laughs> I think like every writer hates to hear is you need to cut this down, you need to cut it out. And you're like, no, I love this line of attack to it. But <laughs> right. that is what I ultimately had to do. I had to take out some lines and add stronger lines or add um, stronger scenes that help move the plot along. It came out to be a hundred minutes as opposed to the 90 that it originally was. Mm. And it just, it clicked better. It worked better. Um, in 2019, I said, I'm not doing this at a festival. We're going to rent our own theater. We, Black Pedal did a benefit called Bloom. Um, and we had all of the artists that we've worked with in the past at Settler Studios, which is unfortunately now closed. Um, we had a great turnout. The room was packed. And artists that we've worked with in the past just performed poetry, did scenes, um, performed scenes. Um, I believe some sang. And it was just, it was a great turnout. We were, it was to save money and we put it towards, you know, the rental of the theater and it was ours for the four days we had it. It was completely ours. The, the manager was like, you can, when I met with her, she's like, your show can be however long you want. I'm like, <laughs> that that is what I love. I'm not going to keep you guys here, hold you guys captive for eight hours, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to make this show up what it needs to be. And that's right. what I did. And, um, you know, we found the black actors because I said, I don't care if I have to find you. If I have to go out there <laughs> and find black actors, this will be a, a black family as it was intended. And that's what happened. And um, we did the show. And I know I mentioned that one thing that, that touched me the most, because as a writer, you're always kind of like, well, my show is going on. This is going on. I hope people take to it the way it's supposed to. I hope people react to it, you know, or a lo- love it if they hate it. Right, oh a, man, it's, it's I hope baby. not. But right, you know, you're putting you, it up into yeah, people's faces now. It's like, here, do you like it? Right. <laughs> and, and because the story itself is so deeply personal to me, mm. I'm like, I want it to touch people. And we talked about this. Um, there was, it's, it's, it's a dark show, as most of my shows are. It, it, it has a lot of heavy content. And, um, one of my friends came out to me after one show and was just like, there was a woman out there and you may, you may want to put a trigger warning before the show <laughs> uh, starts because it's triggering for a lot of people. Some of the stuff that happens in the show. And I, she was like freaking out and like crying and like shaking in there. And then she, 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 she may come like kill you after you need to be careful. <laughs> 
So here she is approaching me. I'm like, crap, I'm going to get, I'm going to get this slapped in front of all these people. The music. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, and then she just, she just tells me, thank you so much. Thank you for telling that story because I've seen people try to, but they fail. But that was the most honest or real depiction of, you know, um, of an experience like that that I've seen. And it reminded me of, my past, it reminded me of what I had to get out of, you know, very mm-hmm. uh, um, abusive relationship. And she said, this can, will inspire so many and it's inspired me and I hope the show continues to go far. And she said, I know it will. And um, and then I saw her again at a cast party um, a few weeks later. And then she said that she started writing again and she shared with me a poem that she started writing because of the play. And so I was like, I'm like, this is why I do this. This is mm-hmm. the kind of response that I want to get from people. This is how I want to make people feel. This I, I want to inspire people to write, to connect with their inner artists, to, 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 to just, you know, go out there and soar. So that felt really good. And, um, of course, the show got picked up again for 2020 for a long, for even longer run um, of nine shows. And, of course, it, it didn't go on because coronavirus. Right. So it has to get rescheduled for probably next year. Um, Hopefully. I mean, no, which, we'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow yeah. we'll make it happen. Yeah, we'll, no, yeah, we'll I, I've thought about, that, thought about that story uh, all uh, about a week. It's been a week since we talked, I think. Uh, and I've that, that even that story just resonated with me, how the power of someone's writing can have on, on, on another person, on an audience member, uh, or just, you know, it, it could be any artist doing anything, uh, yeah. a song, a poem, and then if it just hits one person in the in in in, in the in the right chords, um, it sparks them to do something uh, even more beautiful. And that's just like the the chain reaction that happens, and it's just, that's just a wonderful thing. Um, so I, it, I, I yeah. love that story for sure. Yeah, that's what we live for: music, poetry, theater, film. It's it, it's a very beautiful thing. And staying with that, the message of that black. Pedal or the mission, I guess, uh, uh, of Black Pedal Theater. Uh, I have it. I'm gonna read it uh, right off of your of what you guys have on Facebook. But I mean, we're, we'll talk about it uh, like we did last okay. time. But I think it's it's extremely powerful. Um, and it says, uh, "Black Pedal Theater Company uh, was established to cultivate change by empowering minorities and defying unflattering stereotypical narratives that place artists of color in a box." and opening the space for them to occupy stories and languages that are otherwise exclusively seen as white. Um, so basically, to, to just break it down, uh, to another way to say it is, it's empowering and showing more black stories, or uh, instead of just focusing on what ex- are exclusively white stories. Am, am I getting that right? Yes, um, that is 100% correct. You got it, you hit, it, you hit the no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so why why so, why is that your guys' mission? Why is that the thing you guys uh, want to focus on? I mean, I mean, it's a great cause, and we all know why we should, uh, because especially with what's happening now with Black Lives Matter, uh, and we'll touch on that in a bit. Uh, but why was that what you thought of back in 2017 that this needs to happen? Um, so I grew up watching film and. Like my first gift was a film, like a VHS. Mm. You know, so, do you remember what it was? Um, well, it was a Disney film, I believe. It was The Fox and the Hound. Okay, all right. I've never yeah. seen it. 
Um, yeah, it's it's it, 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 it's awesome. Um, <laughs> depressing though. <laughs> that's why that's that's where it all began. Yeah, very depressing. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Was the dog does at the end? Oh, spoiler alerts if you haven't seen it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. So yeah, that was my first film, and like I just I I, I love film, and I just kept watching and watching and watching. But one thing I've noticed is that the leads are always white, mm-hmm. and um there's been a lot of conversation recently about representation. I know they had like the Oscar so white and whitewashing. And I've noticed that the only narratives that black people would occupy were the slaves or any subservient roles, um, drug dealers, gangbangers, the health. And it was, it was discouraging and disheartening. And um, black people for a long time were told, were put in a box and told, you can only play these characters. We don't want you, we don't want to see you as anything else, you know? For every, like, 80 white superheroes, there's, like, five black superheroes. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, obviously, black. I'm like, well, there's all these white people, and you get this, like, idea that white people are the saviors and black people are the criminals. And it's this, this stereotype that just was con- it was just being perpetuated. And again, not just for me, but I'm sure it was disheartening for a lot of um, young kids of color just watching this. So I wanted to, I've always known that my niche was horror, suspense, thriller, because I love that um, genre. And I feel like people were like, let's write about being happy. Um <laughs> You know, to quote, you go the, the complete opposite way. You're like, no, let's get scared right. and sad all the time. <laughs> exactly. Um, to quote Florence Machine, she said, "Happiness is an extremely uneventful subject," um, and that's true. You can't. Nobody wants to write about two people being happy. You know, you want to see people struggle because we ourselves as humans struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, we you want to see us overcome that struggle, go through turmoil. You know have something to relate to, something powerful to relate to. And if you start a movie happy and they're happy throughout all through and through, it's like, well It's a pretty boring story. <laughs> it's boring and it's kind of weird and depressing too. That's <laughs> it's more depressing <laughs> to me than than the actual depressing stuff. Mm-hmm. But um um but there weren't a lot of black horror writers and or black people who were really in the genre that I was that I loved. And if there were black people in horror movies and stuff, they would die first. Or there was only right. one. And, you know, and they were there to be the token black person. Mm-hmm. So me writing horror and stuff, I wanted to make it diverse. I'm like, I'm, I want it to be white. I want it to be Hispanic. I want it to be black. I want it to be Asian. You know, gay, straight. I, like, I, I want inclusivity. And that's what was missing for that. That's still what's missing. I mean, it's only getting better now, but it should have been better a long time ago. So with Black Title coming with our mission, we thought, what do we want to do? And it was very clear to me, especially because at 7 o'clock, the cast was so diverse. Um, and I said, I want this, you know, this, this group to be devoted and dedicated to telling stories, any stories. It doesn't matter what genre, any stories. And I want these characters to be occupied by minorities mm-hmm. of any kind who've been who haven't been represented to the fullest and that that's that's it it was very clear to me and that that's what i wanted like to be 
and that's what it should be moving forward. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the representation is, is, is very, very uh, how, how little uh, of a representation for minorities there is, even... Right, and, and let's be real, for a long time, all the roles of minorities were being only played by white people. Right. Black people were being played by white people. Asians were being played by white people. Gays were being played by straight people. When there was a plethora of gay people who could mm-hmm. actually do the roles as well. So just make room for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, and that's it, a black, it's happening now mm-hmm. more often than not it because, is. you know, more woke, woke culture uh, has definitely brought that up and, and made people more aware of it. Um, so how do you think, so now we're not only in a, in a global pandemic, we've also had these Black Lives Matter protests happening uh, for the past four months, uh, even though, you know, it's not on mainstream media anymore because everyone wants to wants to try to go back to normal. There's still protests happening up in Portland. Yeah, There's still it was, small it was ones happening here. Right, but, you know, the, the, the movement is still alive in certain places and uh so talking about black lives matter you wrote a poem uh before the fall uh yes and then you uh black pedal put it out there uh on your facebook and i i loved it uh man i was so i was so upset when i wrote that yeah how, yeah so tell me how you were feeling when you wrote before the fall pda pretty damn angry is how i was <laughs> feeling um um i know i mentioned that i'm not even on social media anymore um, I, 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 I noticed that I was spending large segments of my day going back and forth with idiots who can grasp a simple, basic, you know, a simple, basic concept as what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, facts versus made up bullshit. I, I, I made sure that when I was arguing intelligently and eloquently to people that I wasn't cursing or insulting or offending. Mm-hmm. I was stating facts. I was providing factual information when they asked. And when I did, I started getting attacked. Um, black animals, you're just trying to attack my family and destroy this country. You are destroying this country. America has been great to blacks and minorities in the past few years. I'm like, wow, it, that bubble you're living in must really be beautiful. Um, so. That day, and after some other things that I'd heard, I just got really pissed, and I just started writing it down on paper. And um, so that's how the poem came to be about. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of people are, some people are, are facing a disillusionment, which is great, but other people are clinging on to this lie, and that is, mm. that is horrible and disgusting. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, frustrating, for sure. Yeah. Uh, how... You can, the facts are right in front of us. It's obvious. It, and, but there's still people denying that racism is a being, thing. And being willfully blind and ignorant. Yeah. And you know what? You can't do anything to change them. No, no. You, you try, you try. And, and if they don't want to listen, then you just, you're going to have to move on and move on to, to someone who will listen. Uh, and, and I yeah. think a lot of people are, are, did take it to heart and then did start learning about, you know, systemic race, uh, racism and, how that affects yeah. a lot of people in this country and a lot of people around the world. Uh, and yeah. something that I constantly have to remind people is that segregation and you know the civil rights movement and all that wasn't that far back. It was fifty years ago, forty years ago. You know, 
sixties. Yeah, wasn't it, it wasn't it wasn't that long ago, but you know, it, racism will just go away if we stop talking about it. Also, didn't you know? No, <laughs> it's not just not the way it works. Um, so, uh, so what we're gonna hear right now is uh, David S. Deer uh, doing a reading of your 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 poem before the fall. Uh, let me just give him, okay. uh, give his plug. Uh, he's creator producer of a science fiction audio drama, uh, a ninth okay. world journal, and the co producer of Listen, Rinse, Repeat podcast. Um, yeah, I uh, I put out a call to uh, people, uh, actors, voice actors of color, uh, to try to see if I can get someone to read this poem. And he, not, I go. I'm, I'm just gonna play it and let's see how it goes. Oh, this is exciting! Okay, <laughs> before the fall by Clovis Cabongo. Before the fall, we taste it, the charred wisp of a final truth, teasing the tongue with its familiar kiss. A run, a scream, a day born in night, blood spilling on broken dreams, onyx wings that snip, unseen. No whisper kills softly like the midnight air. No creature ever walked so free, so proud, with skin so fair, with eyes so bright in the face of atrocity, dancing with memories, with beings who roared in delight of their oppressive rhapsody. We taste the sins we're made to be. Hear the words. Count to three. Count the dead that come at night, that come with the frost of that metal bite. Explore the body, pierce the skin, bang on the drum, the beat they long to kill within. To snuff with rape, murder, theft, roving with boyish delight, taking and praying to maintain their deluded might, their fragile pride that guards an altered truth story so bold, so filled with fantasy. Fantastical youth. We, the ones who lurk in the wild, the children of the earth, the killers reviled, the demons in their one-eyed myth who rob and slay, betray their kin. Seasoned tonight, we dance unclean, seduce the shadow that craves for he, for she, for them. In this violent place, this place that plagues with evil haste, boasting a heavy song, we succumb unbothered, give in to a rhythm that disrupts their honor, their peace, their need to breathe without we, to live under the veil of their tyranny. Invisible to their plight, they come, kill our honor, steal thy drums, feel the jackboot on the heart the music, the speech, the tainted art, unable to be at peace inside the home without the pillagers to claim it as their own. Drunk with power, the virus spreads, bodies collapsing, laws that bend in the favor of only one, the favor of those who don't cry for justice done. It hits the ground with a thunderous thump, a familiar roar embedded in our lungs, from the creatures here before, the ones too afraid, too controlled, to settle the score. Eyes moving in a manic pace, the lines drawn, the makers made, all set to collide at this orange dusk. 
The rage, the anger, now at the crisp, now at the forefront of this sleeping war. The others, the gods, both arrived for more. Sonic booms go out through the air. The protests, the riots, the charge, despair. Bodies down. They slash for more. Bodies down. Please stop, you swore. Bodies down. Reload on four. Bodies down. Red paints the floor. Bodies down. Now ask, what for? Wow. Um, that definitely gave me chills. His voice gave me chills. Wow. How do you, how do you how do you think a certain interpretation fits to when you were writing uh, the poem? Um, I think he interpreted it excellently. Um, I was like, is he going to get that? And the way that he, the way his intention behind, like, I, I, I got his intention behind um, certain lines because that's what my intentions were, especially with the last sort of bodies down, bodies down. Um, he definitely got it 100 percent. is he a qc student because no he's a he's an actor that i found uh on some uh, i think it was an indie podcasting uh server um so i'm part of like wow. a bunch of like uh, forums and groups and uh, we all try to help each other out by uh posting like you know uh, auditions for uh, voice actors to try to get in on on the action um his voice is his voice is definitely very powerful and he captured he captured um what I was feeling that day, like the anger behind it mm -hmm. and a, a sort of hopelessness behind it as well. So he captured it beautifully. Yeah. Especially with the, I mean, the, the final, it's, I, I, I put it as a stanza on its own uh, just because when I was rewriting it for them to, to be able to see it uh, for the uh, mm -hmm. auditioners, <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Th that last, the bodies down part just hits so much harder uh once he says it uh especially especially the the reload on four and the way he just changes his his yeah it was it's beautiful that uh yeah i i, I, um, I couldn't have asked for a better reading to be honest <laughs> i can never ask for a better reading this is the first time i've heard someone else read my poetry mm -hmm. um so that was that was a uh, thank you that was an and thank you to him that was an amazing experience yeah. good i'm i'm glad i'm glad you you uh, approved of the uh, uh, of his reading. The Cabango seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he actually said, "I thought I think I pronounced his name correctly." I was like, "No, no, you did. That was, that was perfectly great. That was, that was awesome." Um, so, when you write poetry, do you usually write it with uh, that much emotion when you're putting it down, or sometimes it's more of just um, uh, like a free write? It's what's in your brain. Just here we go. So I don't write poetry often. What I find, what I find is um, the only time I can write poetry is when I'm feeling a lot of intense emotion. Um, you know, I, I like back in 2017 again. I was experiencing horrible, horrible heartbreak, and I was just banging out poets, poems every week. Every single week, and then like once that subsided and those emotions died, I'm like, I I, I lose my powers. <laughs> so it's like I can't write poetry anymore. 
So I didn't read poetry again for a while. And then this started happening. And of course, it, and I was, I was at a protest. And um, what I wanted to mirror, especially in that, I wanted to mirror two things. Well, a few things in that poem, not two. Um, the, the, the feeling of being othered. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, and from the comments and the stuff that I see people have been spewing, like the hateful vitriol, it's been black people are this, black people are savages, black people are disgusting and all this and that. But I'm just like, if I was given a choice, I wouldn't want to be anything other than black, even with all the stuff that you say about, you know, all the stuff that white people say. I love being black. I love my blackness. I love our culture. And there was a point in the poem itself where I kind of make reference to, you know, creatures of the earth, um, dark creatures, um, dancing, and and kind of like going about as these very tribal, um, um, primitive beings. And while they're looking at us and judging and and being demoralizing things to us, where 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 you know, or we're like, all right, and we're still dancing. We have a beat. We have a rhythm that we still love. However, they notice that their words, their their words, their um, hurtful words aren't getting to us. So they come and they pillage and they take and they rape and they kill. And they're not happy until we're, we're, we're miserable. Mm-hmm. Until, um, until I don't know if that makes any sense. Out. No, no. Yeah. It, it hundred percent. And it definitely comes through with the poem. Um, you say like, yeah, you know, they're trying to snuff, snuff it out, snuff out this culture with, you know, theft, rape and, 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 and other uh, bad influencing things. Uh, because they're, I, I feel like it's, it's. A, I mean, it comes across as, in the poem at least as like they're afraid of of that culture and they want to be powerful and feel it, feel that boyish delight. Is what that uh, in the poem like what you say? Yeah, and um, like being at the protest too. I, I, there, like the air was very thick, and I've never been in a place where there was so much tension. Mm-hmm. There were the the cops, and then there was everyone else. And they just look like if you even sneezed in their direction, they were ready to kill you. Mm. And um, with the final image or the final sense of the body sound, I wanted to, it, it starts off, the poem itself starts off with this imagery of two, um, two groups of people on the front line. And then it sort of deviates from that and it goes back to like the history behind the prehistoric line. Um, um, I'm sorry, not prehistoric. Um, historic, um, historic uh, context, and there's uh, again with the blacks dancing in the villages and stuff, and them coming and taking it. And then at the end of the uh, the end of the poem, with the bodies down, we return to like these front lines, mm-hmm. and there are these groups of people. It's like the air is very tense, and the gods and the dead are all around. People who die on both sides. Um, sort of circling and watching this scrimmage about to happen. And then the scrimmage, it does happen. And, you know, people are dying. More people are dying for this stupid, pointless... There's no reason stupid, why. pointless it. purpose. Yeah. Why, why are we doing this? And mm-hmm. I ask, okay, now we're, more people are dead. What for? Mm-hmm. You know, why does this country have such a hard time denying the history um why does it have such a hard time 
taking the road to making reparations to healing. Um, and I don't know. So I think that's what a lot of people are asking. Yeah. What for? What is, what is this all for? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a top, it's a, there's a lot of harsh conversations everyone has to have and has been having for the past few months. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's, you just got to keep pushing and not, not stop thinking about how a lot needs to change still. So, yeah. Um, let's, 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 uh, try to lighten the mood here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> um, so last, we did talk at the beginning about your inspirations and how you have been, been having crazier dreams, uh, because th- right. that's where you get a lot of your inspirations of, uh, what uh, how have your dreams been getting crazier this week what, what's 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 happening in that in that clovis brain i don't know like i again i'm still waking up at three in the morning uh-huh. um well except for today i woke up like around four in the morning it's i'm i not at liberty to disclose some of the stuff that i dream about sure, but no. that's really weird and freaky <laughs> um not in like a freaky, freaky way with a it, wink behind it. But like, you don't kick shame here. They're just, okay? <laughs> they're, they're just weird, and 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 I think the one that kind of scared me a little was the one I had two nights ago. It was very like it was something like out of a video game almost. Mm. I know I was in space, and there was this weird, very eerie woman. It was it was crazy. It was weird. Um, but these are the dreams that keep me up at night and <laughs> I don't eat anything weird before I go to bed. That's a strange thing. So I don't know. I just have a very active imagination. Um, w- would you go to space if you had the opportunity to go to space? Would you go to space? Hell no, I wouldn't go to space. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we talked about last time, like, uh, I, I usually ask, you know, if you could live anywhere, where would you go or where would you live? Uh, post, uh, no COVID in, in the world. Uh, and you said, uh, the Scottish countryside, um, because it's so secluded and so quiet, and you you'd love it's so the secluded, nature. so quiet, right? Um, that's what you but, said. So the, I mean, space—that's all space is. <laughs> space requires a certain amount of intelligence, which I don't <laughs> possess, okay. and I've seen gravity way too many times. Okay, I'm not trying to have that happen. To me, so. <laughs> so I'm good. I saw the Scotland countryside somewhere in the woods. It's it, it good enough for me. <laughs> would you would you get some sheep and take care of some sheep? Would you, are you would you be a sheep herder? No, I'm not. I'm not. Maybe I'll get a dog, but and that's stretching <laughs> it because I'm not good with animals at all. Like all of my pets have died. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, so I don't. I don't. I I just I I take care of myself, and I have a hard enough time doing that. <laughs> it is. So if you had to write something other than a play, uh a poem, basically what I'm asking, if you had to write something for the screen, what would you write? I really want to write. The only thing I have never written is a song. I'm, oh. I, can't, I cannot write a song for the life of me. It takes okay. skill to write music. Do you, do you play any instruments? I don't play. I'm, I'm, I'm musically handicapped. Okay. I don't play any instruments. <laughs> um... Um, but I love music. I love music. In fact, music inspires a lot of my work. Hmm. Um, but I just I cannot write a song for the life. And they're like, it's like poetry. I'm like, no, it's not. It's just it's, it's music is a whole different you know 
it's a different beast. skill to learn, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really, I really, um, I really appreciate uh, and admire and respect songwriters. And I'm talking about real songwriters, not like you know, pop that butt, pop, pop that butt kind of songwriters, <laughs> but like songwriters, songwriters. Right. So what what do you listen to to get that inspiration? What? Um. So my favorite living artist right now is Hosier. And I think that okay. he is an incredible songwriter. Like he can tell powerful evocative stories just through his music and he can just he he we just get lost in his stuff it's he's he's, he's a very he's, I, well he's very underrated i believe he's an incredible songwriter and musician but songwriter he's fantastic okay all right and then so that's living so what about uh passed away no longer with us who who would that be no longer with us i would have to say Ooh, that's hard. <laughs> well, you gave me the categories. It's, you said living, so we have to know what the yeah. Other that's, I did give you the category, <laughs> but all right. Um, it would it's because I'm t- it's a tie for me between um um Freddie Mercury and and Michael Jackson. Oh, okay. All right, we got some pop. We got some rock in there. Definitely, yeah. definitely the uh the. The storytelling that can happen in in both of those genres that they that they did, uh, yeah. Even Michael, he, he he was switched genres up, yeah. you know. And he was very political, as is, and I think I I I, I love that because um, Hosier himself is also very political, mm. um, and a lot of his music is political and, and relevant as to what's going on in America today. Mm. And the dude isn't even from America. He lives in Ireland, so oh. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> is that yeah. why, is that why you think uh, Scottish countryside? When you think of like uh, a, the peaceful place you want to be at, is because you know he's he's from. It's from honestly America. because I grew up like watching Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, oh, yeah. and it it just always been beautiful. The countryside, just vast and green and very mythical. And I love mythical things, which is another reason. Like I love my songwriter because he incorporates a lot of mythology into his music. I've I've always been like, I want to live there. It looks so beautiful. It looks magical. It looks like oh yeah, looks I'd love to live in the Shire. Fuck, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm I'm think I'm short enough. I'm on the height on the higher end. I'm only five four, so I think I'm short enough to go live in the Shire. I think. I can Lucky you. I'm six feet, so well, I can't sit in there. Who told you to be so but, tall? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to be like Gandalf in there, but yeah, definitely the Shire is. That's what I think. I think of those homes. It was beautiful. Like I, I, I would definitely do it. Mm-hmm. Oh fuck yeah! I know you're off social media. You took a, a hi- hiatus because it was hiatus, it yep. was just taking a lot a toll on your on your mental on your mental health, which is you know something you should definitely always be in check with. Um, yeah. But where can people find Black Pedal, and where can they find you if you when you if and when you come back uh, to socials? They can find Black Black Pedal is always on our Facebook. This type of Black Pedal Theater group, um, Instagram, we're um, at Black Pedal Theater, um, and here, here. Wow, I got I, I thought about something else. And as for me, um, <laughs> and as for me, when I return on social media. 
you can find me on Instagram at Cabango Clovis and on Facebook at Clovis Cabango. There's not a lot of us, so you'll be able to find me. <laughs> not a lot of Cabangos? <laughs> not a lot of us, so nope. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for talking to me again. Uh, again, it was a pleasure talking to you. I'm so glad you got to hear uh, a reading of your poem, uh, which again was, was amazing. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I thank my guests so much every week because it is truly an honor for them to say yes to coming on to a podcast like this. Uh, they are such amazing creatives and it's just amazing to be able to have a conversation with them for an hour, an hour and a half about their process and what just who they are and learning more about them. So thank you again so much to Clovis for coming on. Thank you so much to David S. Deer for that really awesome reading. We got in contact through Cash Junkies Discord. Uh, check out CashJunkie.com. Check out their podcast. Check out everything that they do for the IndiePod community. Their Discord was a great, great resource. I'm so glad that I found David through it. Check out his podcast, A Ninth World Journal, is written and narrated by him, and I would listen to anything that he narrates. He can narrate a phone book, he can narrate the dictionary, I will listen to it. Check out Clovis and of course Black Pedal Theater at Cabango Clovis and at Black Pedal Theater on Instagram. Of course, thank you to Caitlin Chen for the fantastic art. Music is by Kicktracks. Follow us on all socials at Nothing Fancy Pot, and thank you again so much for listening. Season two is just getting started. Next week, we have another conversation with another fantastic creative. Remember to share this with your friends. Leave a review on iTunes if you can. And that's it. Remember to love each other. Be kind. And I'll see you guys next week.